BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. California faces a shortfall of more than 40,000 full-time registered nurses, a gap that's expected to last until 2026, according to a new UCSF report. The COVID-19 pandemic has forced experienced nurses to quit the field, and they're calling it. They're just too exhausted, too burnt out, and now hospitals are struggling to fill positions. We're going to talk about the shortage and ways to mitigate it. And first, we're joined now with uh, Maria Nunez. She's a registered nurse who works in the ICU at St. Francis Medical Center in Linwood in Los Angeles County. Welcome, Maria. I'm glad to have you on the show. You've described this past year as a roller coaster. Can you paint us a picture a little bit of those ups and downs that you've gone through? Uh, Good morning, and thank you for having me on your show. Um, Well, what nursing is facing right now is it's a a roller coaster, most definitely, because um, we're seeing the high influx of COVID patients, of very critical patients that we, you know, in other times we haven't seen. Um, Now we're facing young, you know, young patients where our nurses are not really, you know, used to seeing that that population, you know, quickly deteriorate and die. And so it's been, you know, a mix of emotions for a lot of the nurses, uh, the strain in in the long hours, in the shortage, uh, as you mentioned, uh, that's really putting a toll on the nurses, and and you know some are are just facing that burnt out you know stage, in which you know they want to just take some time off. How are you doing? Um, we're, I'm trying to cope. Um, last year was the hardest for me. Um, I've been a nurse for about 18 years, and I've never really you know experienced you know so much death in a year. Um, so for you know, you come into a profession in which you're, you're expecting to see, you know, not to save everyone and, and to try to bring, help, you know, recover patients. But in most cases, um, like this past year, we, we really haven't, we haven't seen that, you know, that downpour, that, you know, that relief of, of, of work. And what we're only seeing is, you know, the continuation, you know, and, and it really has, Physically, you know, mentally um, affected a lot of patients. A lot of people, especially myself, um, you you're depressed, and then you take that home, you know, and then that really can also change the dynamics in your family. And are you experiencing that? I mean, has your own life? Are you feeling it? The kind of the crunch on a on a personal level? Yes, definitely. Um, you you sometimes just wake up and and actually think, you know, second guess yourself and say, do you guys still want to do this? 
Um, I still want to go to work, and I still want to, you know, do the same thing over and over and see people just dying. You know, it it really does affect. It's affecting me. It um, affected, you know, my my children and my you know my significant other because you 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 try to be there for them as well, and when you're not mentally you know, capable to do that, then it takes a toll. It takes a toll on the family as well. Are you thinking about taking a break? Um, yes. Yes. Um, in the 18 years that I've, you know, been a nurse, I really haven't taken that. I've never experienced that workout, you know, that I'm, that we're all feeling now that sometimes it just keeps, it, 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 like it makes you second guess. And I, like I said, you need, you need that mental, that mental break. Just final question, Maria. What is the situation at your hospital now? I think a lot of us are trying to put the pandemic behind us, but I know inside hospitals that's not the case. It's not. What is it like at your hospital? Uh, We currently uh, are facing the the non-vaccinated COVID surge um, is what we're seeing. Um, Last year, for the most part, it was the elderly that were not vaccinated. And, you know, the age range you know, it was probably in your late 60s to to 80s. Now we're we're seeing young people unvaccinated, or as as young as 20s. You know, 25, 26 dying of COVID because they're not vaccinated. And I think that's that's what really hits home because you have kids that age, uh, and and for to see that population you know, quickly deteriorate and pass away, it really is hard. And that's what we're seeing, the the unvaccinated coming in and and just being really sick. I can't imagine. Well, Maria, thank you for the work that you do, and I hope you do get a break and and kind of resource yourself. Thank you. Thank you for, for all of your good wishes. Yeah, take care. We want to hear from you if you're a nurse practitioner, a nurse out there, a healthcare worker, and you have a similar story and you'd like to share. Give us a call at one eight six seven three three six seven eight six, or you can give us a, or you sorry, or you can get in touch with us on Twitter or Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. We're now joined by Kristen Huang. She's a health reporter with Cal Matters, and Joanne Joanne Spates. She's the director of the Philip R. Lee Institute for Health Policy Studies and the Health Workforce Research Center at UCSF. Uh, Kristen, I want to hear a little bit about the reporting that you just did. You called the the California's nursing shortage a crisis, and you pointed to some startling statistics like the situation at Scripps Health in San Diego. What are they dealing with there? Hi, thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, as I I was working on this story, I spoke with a number of physicians and, and nurses and hospitals up and down the state, and everyone's dealing with similar similar pressures, but to sort of really put it concretely, Scripps Health in San Diego um, is thinking about consolidating some of their outpatient clinics because they simply do not have enough staff to take care of the number of patients that are coming in. Um, They told me that Currently, compared to 2019 pre-pandemic, um, they have an increase of nurse vacancies, a, a 96% increase of nurse vacancies. Um, and, wow. and and that doesn't include all other healthcare staff worker position vacancies as well. Um, so what hospitals are dealing with right now is kind of this dual pressure of 
another wave of COVID patients. Um, in addition to everyone who deferred their care or put it off during 2020 and the first half of 2021 coming in to do their elective procedures or their cancer treatment. Um, and a lot of times they end up being sicker than they normally would be and require a lot more care because it was delayed. Um, so it's, it's put this dual pressure on the hospitals where Early in the pandemic, in the winter, you know, they may have been able to convert some beds to COVID beds because they had empty beds, but now hospitals are full and they don't have any empty beds at all. And they don't have the staff to, to keep the beds that they do have empty open. Well, let's go to a caller. Uh, Kirsten in San Francisco, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hi, can you hear me? I can. Well, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a nurse in San Francisco. I've been a nurse for 15 years. I worked on the border in Texas um, and now here at the bedside in San Francisco for 13 years. And what I wanted to say was that the, the nursing shortage is a bedside nursing shortage. And it started before the pandemic. The pandemic has made it worse. But really, it's the, the biggest problem is hospital systems prioritizing profits over patients and squeezing every last drop out of healthcare professionals, nurses, doctors, and everyone else who works in hospitals, which is forcing people to have moral injuries and moral burnout that they can no longer do the work. So that's all I wanted to say, that there's really a greed issue here that prioritizes profits over patients. Thanks for sharing that, Kirsten. I appreciate it. And thank you for the work that you do um, with patients. Uh, Joanne, I'd love to hear you you comment on that. What is the root of the question in, in are hospitals to blame? You know, the healthcare system and the nursing labor market gets very complex. When we talk about there being a shortage of nurses, I, I think the caller's point about um, where specifically she's observing a shortage is right on the mark. We should always be saying, well, where is the shortage and what exactly do you mean? Um, because that as a term is overly broad. We have some parts of California that have a pretty ample supply of nurses and other regions of California where there is a huge shortage of nurses and not a lot of education capacity. And similarly, you know, people have different preferences about where they want to work and make decisions accordingly. So what we saw, though, prior to the pandemic is that hospitals were reporting an average vacancy rate of around 4.3%, which is in the range that you might expect with some churn in your workforce as, you know, people retire, it takes a little bit of time to fill those spots. And now we're looking at shortfalls that are really substantial because a lot of nurses are um, planning to leave or have already left the workforce. Um, and on top of that, the nursing schools statewide, a, a lot of them have slowed down the numbers of students that they can enroll and graduate because students don't want to be online, faculty are retiring because they don't want to teach online, uh, clinical rotations get canceled because of pandemic surges where it's not safe to have students on the ward. And, and in those environments, we've also had a decrease in graduations, and that's going to continue for probably another year or two. Gotcha. Well, let's go to Dan in Belmont. Dan, you're on the air. Uh, good morning. I enjoy the program, and thank you for taking my call. Um, I was an Army medic for 10 years with a year of combat in the Middle East, and I want to tell you that there's, there's thousands of Army medics and Navy corpsmen 
that lead the Army and the Navy every year with very advanced medical skill sets, whether they be medical or medic or nurse or corpsman. And we also have the foreign language skills and the physical fitness and the discipline to wear the PPE, whether it's in a combat or a stateside hospital. All those times, every time I've asked at a nursing school or even apply for a fire department to fight the forest fires, another emergency in the state, I've been told, thank you for your service. Uh, oh, that's cool. And oh, we have nothing for you. This is red tape from Sacramento that needs to get cut and cut out quick to alleviate some of the shortages. Why am I driving for Amazon now? Why was I, Why am I an Army medic with years in the, o, in the OR and the emergency room, and I'm driving for Amazon? It's Sacramento red tape. Can I be trained up? Sure. But at the community colleges, I'm told, oh, that's great for your service. Oh, we got nothing for you. Start back at first aid and CPR. That is extremely frustrating. The Bay Area has high housing costs. And all you're benefiting is COVID spreading. COVID Dan. benefits and kills because of these rules and red tape. Well, let's get into that that red tape in, in just a moment here with Joanne. You're listening to Forum, and I'm Leslie McClurg in for Mina Kim. Joanne, is red tape really holding back someone like Dan from, it sounds like he really wants to put his skills to work? Yeah, there are um, licensure requirements for both registered nurses and licensed vocational nurses. And there are several programs in California that are specifically aimed at taking the rich experience of Army medics and um, moving those into the requirements for licensure. Unfortunately, the only programs that I know of are in Southern California. They're really great. And there also has been federal funding put to advancing these kinds of programs because the federal government recognizes this as a solution for long-term, both employment for veterans and also for addressing workforce needs. Um, That was also an area where early in the pandemic, some of the recommendations that we made around surging the workforce to address the COVID surges that we were fearful of in kind of May or March, even April 2020, included trying to figure out how to leverage um, military medical corps because that experience is um, is really you know kind of just so rich and so perfectly aligned. So I, I would love to see some educational programs in in the Bay Area um, take advantage of these federal opportunities to expand these programs for um, veterans to move into nursing. Well, I've heard and I learned from your, your reporting, Kristen, that traveling nurses are in very high demand because of all this, you know, people going across the country to work in different states, depending on the demand. And I was struck by Janet Stovall's story. Tell us about her. Yeah, so Janet Stovall is, uh, she has been a career-long traveling nurse. She's done this for more than 20 years. Um And but she said that she's seen during the pandemic a big difference in the number of people who are getting getting tempted to become traveling nurses. And that's primarily because the demand is so high, which is driving up the compensation. Um, The CDPH has been the California Department of Public Health has been offering up to ten thousand dollars per week for traveling nurses to help these hard hit areas of our state. 
And other states like Florida and Texas are also offering incredibly high salaries for traveling nurses because the need is so severe and so immediate. Um, but the problem that um, when speaking to a lot of hospital administrators and others that this causes is everybody is hiring from the same very limited pool. So of when people, you, pool of people, not pool of money, pool of people. Uh, Correct. Pool of people. So when you are able to, you know, say a staff nurse, and, and I heard this from nurses that I interviewed, that a lot of the younger nurses that they work with have already been burnt out in their first or second year of nursing because of the pandemic. And so then they switch to traveling nursing. Um, and the thing is that when you take a staff nurse and you send them to a different hospital or a different area of the country that is really hard hit, that means the hospital that they left now has a position that's open and there are, are simply not enough people to fill the positions. I think the one traveling agency I spoke with said that they have upwards of 60,000 openings a day and they can only fill 3,000 per week. I mean, I'm guessing that this is not a situation that's just hard on nurses and, and hospitals and staff, but patients have got to be suffering as well, right? Kristen? Definitely. definitely. There, there's a lot of research showing that um, when you decrease the number of patients that each individual nurse takes care of, their patient outcomes are better, all the way from fewer infections, fewer cases of hospital-acquired pneumonia, um, to fewer deaths. Um, if you, one of the most well-referenced studies in this area um, found that if you have one nurse caring for six patients and you reduce that workload to two or fewer patients, it saves 25 lives per every thousand hospitalized patient. Um, so it's it has a really big impact on the outcomes that, that patients potentially have. Well, we're short on, on time here, Joanne, but I would love to hear your favorite. What is your favorite solution to this problem quickly? Well, there's not really a quick solution. In the long term, we have to keep investing in our nursing education capacity. And employers, very importantly, need to also invest in those new graduates. It takes time for a new graduate nurse to become an expert nurse. And the people who are retiring are the experts um, who really know how to operate and do their work in intensive care, in emergency departments, in labor and delivery, and in surgery. And you can't have a new graduate instantly go into those jobs. So employers are gonna to have to make the investment to um, help skill up and develop the skills of the new graduates so that we're able to maintain the workforce and fill in the vacancies that are arising as nurses are permanently quitting because they are burned out. A problem that we're seeing in a lot of industries right now, burnout. Well, thank you both so much for joining me. I appreciate it and keep doing your good work. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Leslie McClurg in for Mina Kim. Today's shows were produced by Grace Wan and Susan Britton. Thank you to all our guests and listeners. Have a great day. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Generosity Foundation, and the Bernard Osher Foundation, supporting higher education and the arts.
Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.